Red East, let's bring in Vince Ferrara. 99-1, the sports animal. We salute Vinny for joining us. Vince, how was your weekend? <laughs> it was good. How about you? The sun actually came back out, so uh, everything else was uh, was a bonus after that. But I hope you guys had a good one. We should all be in a good mood, right? Sunshine and Better 60 yeah. degrees. Talk about deserving it. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> it's still February, though, so I don't think we're out of the woods just yet. This is true. And that damn groundhog's always shadow, too, so you never know. <laughs> so uh, it's a win, Vince. It's a win. And you'll yeah. take it, right? You got to, especially coming off that double-digit loss to Florida earlier in the week. By the way, 10th team this season to be number two ranked and to take a loss right after wow. being number two. It was pretty, pretty crazy. So it's been a revolving door at number two. But, man, was that game ugly. Wow. Did, did I miss something? Like, I know defense, Rick Barnes and his teams are defensive-minded. I'm not so sure how much this was about the defense is just or just about these two teams couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Which one was it? I it was honestly it was both because I, I interviewed Josiah Jordan James, which is the right pick for, as my pregame player interview because he was their best player and saved them with 15 points and 14 boards. But he told me practicing for them was like uh, was like uh, looking in the mirror and it was like mm. going up against our scout team because. We're they were exactly the same. Now I think Tennessee has more weapons. They have uh, some different personnel, but in terms of how physical they are, how well they defend, really don't allow the the dribble drive, those kind of things. Yeah, it was the same. So you're going to get kind of baited into knowing it's that type of game. I think Tennessee knew it was going to be that kind of game. They didn't run as much as they could have, um, and just I think that was a part of it because both teams know that, hey, they can fall back on their defense. Bruce Pearl's had to adjust with that kind of team. He doesn't have as many good dynamic offensive players, so he adjusts as a great coach to his personnel, and he knows that that's the way they have to play and stay in game sometimes, especially against good teams. So that that was part of it, but like, there, were some, there were a lot of missed shots as well, uh, a ton of them, and I think Tennessee at times tried to three-point their way out of it, like this is going to be the three to get us going. Oh, no, um, and it, re- <laughs> it Yeah, it did not. It did not happen. So, honestly, it was a, a little bit of, of both. And, man, I don't recall being at a game where both teams shot, like, sub-27% yes. in the game. It was, you know, it was crazy. Unbelievable. The two teams attempted, for people who haven't looked at the numbers, the two teams, so Auburn and Tennessee, combined to shoot 48 three-pointers. You know how many were made in the game? Five. Ooh. Five. Three by Auburn. One was Auburn. like in the last minute. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Three by Auburn, two by Tennessee. Five of 48 for three points. Shaq playing? I mean, was like, <laughs> <laughs> who was out no, there? This wasn't a free, no, this wasn't free throws. This Jeez. was three pointers. Oh. Yeah, it was not good, to say the least. In fact, I even saw. I think the stat is right. I don't know. I, I may butcher it, but for, what was it? Uh, Eighty-nine points, right? Most the combined score for two ranked teams. I think they said was the lowest ever. Uh, well, it was. Well, the here it is. It, it's fourth fewest among ranked teams in the shot clock era since eighty-five, eighty-six. It's the lowest scoring game between ranked SEC teams in the AP poll era since 
48-49. So two SEC-ranked teams. So, yeah, it it was historic in how bad it was offensively. And, look, it, it's going to count the same. Auburn wasn't going to apologize if they would have won. It would have counted the same and would have been on their resume as a road win against the number two team in the country. And, you know, you, you, it's still a, a quad one win for, for Tennessee regardless of how it looks. Now, what that does is, is it's, it, it's extended the angst that fans had from the Florida game yep. to now a second game. They didn't really follow it up like they typically do, like we talked about. Now they're like, all right, what, what's going on? We can't shoot. This is going to kill us in the postseason. We're hearing some of that. Yeah, that. Um, yeah, that that is. The, you know, look, they they've got an they've got an image, or their coach has an image, and you know, this does not make everybody at ease whenever you are you know getting close to the end of the regular season and about to come to Nashville for the SEC tournament, and then gear up for a high seat in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament, right? With all those demons, like. They kind of want to see this team probably clicking on all cylinders like they were the previous two weeks after that Kentucky loss. You know, all that love we've been giving with you on this show the last couple weeks to Ziegler. And then that, what what was that on Saturday? Did he get a shot? No. Um, <laughs> he had free throws at the end. No. And Bethany uh, didn't make, didn't make yeah. a shot till the end. <laughs> So, but yeah, it it is rare though because I had pointed out and uh, he was on he was on a, a stretch until that Florida game of about eighteen points per game. Yeah, in a in a four game stretch. So it, it is unusually sort of offensively hit the skid in terms of his shot. But um, it, here's the thing: being going hot into the tournament, it's a little bit of a misnomer. I mean, Tennessee was hot. They won the SEC tournament last year. It's getting, it's being hot in the tournament. Everything else you can give or take. There's examples of both. You have to be hot when you're in the tournament and get on a roll, get the confidence going, have the right matchups. All that has to come together. So whether they, they get the offense going and they're busting out 85 points a game or housing everybody by 20, 25 points, or they're the, Cold going into the tournament, you got to re, you got to restart. You hit the re, reset button, and it 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 completely none of it really matters once you get to the end, as long as you have some players to work with, and that's at least something that they do have. If they figure it out, they got a good roster to work with and their experience too. So we'll see how it plays out. I want to get your impressions on on Auburn because we're we're trying to figure out you know other teams in the conference as well. They've lost three of their last four. The only win was beating Georgia at home. But they lost to West Virginia in the Big 12 Challenge. They lost to Texas A&M at home. And they just lost to Tennessee Saturday on the road, as we know, as we're sitting here talking about it. Bruce Pearl typically always has really good Auburn teams. You look at his out-of-conference schedule. Wasn't exactly murder's row. What what are they? What You saw them up close and personal. Are they a typical Bruce Pearl team, or is this team maybe a little – overrated or a little overinflated no they're not a typical bruce pearl team normally they would have a little bit more talent he's actually playing slower and more more deliberate and and having even more of that physicality uh than than he would typically do they i don't think they have the offensive horses 
they've got a, a undersized point guard in Wendell Green who is at, at times is inconsistent. He can get hot, but he's inconsistent. So I thought the best player for them during the game was KD Johnson. He comes off the bench because he is all over the place with how erratic he is. He's a great scorer. He's a veteran guy. He can be a great scorer and driver, but then at times he's turning the ball over and he's going one on four and he's all over the place. So they've got they've got some inconsistencies there. Uh, Broom is man that guy. <laughs> he. He is physical, I'll put it that way, and he's an instigator and um and he was a good scorer for uh for them coming into the ball game and led them in scoring the game. They've got some pieces, but they're not as good or as deep or as dynamic as they typically would be. But Bruce Pearl's getting a lot. He's squeezing a lot of juice out of that those that those oranges in my opinion. Uh, no pun intended to Tennessee, honestly, but it he he is dangerous because he's he adjusts to his personnel and that's what he's doing at Auburn. I think he's getting a lot uh, out of them. And then in a one game and done situation, as good as he is with the X's and O's and the motivation, uh, they they still would be kind of dicey to go up against. Even though I don't I don't think they match up in the in the talent standpoint and maybe what their ranking has been at times uh, this year. He was not happy about the the no call at the end. That's for sure. Oh yeah, well, Wendell Green was called for a, a flop in the earlier in the second half. So once you put it out there that you're trying to draw and you're all over the place, and he embellished that a little bit, it probably should have been a foul anyway. But he kind of once you set the tone for that, officials aren't always going to give you the benefit of the doubt in those late game crazy situations. So. Um, but yeah, the, the officiating man, Auburn thought it was the worst ever T- Tennessee oftentimes thinks it's the worst ever. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's an game in game out issue, regardless of what side you're on. It's always against you. It's always rigged, uh, regardless of the sport. It's just, it's just bad on a lot of levels everywhere. I wouldn't want to do it, but it's just, it's just a tough part of the game. They'll be here in Nashville to take on Vanderbilt on uh Wednesday. Yeah. Justin? Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Vince, about your impressions of the uh, Singer Bowl and uh, how some of the volunteers did during their time down there in Mobile and who left the most impactful impression. Well, I think it was a great week, Justin, for Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright was voted by his peers as the American team's offensive lineman practice player of the week. Really, uh, one, uh, one player from Iowa State had a really good week defensive end the all time leading uh leading sack man for uh in the big twelve that's a projected first round pick. Will McFarlane, I believe. Which would be appropriate for you we guys. Should be ready for that. Oh. Yeah, we should get him on the show. <laughs> Cousin Will, we'll get him up here. Sure. Uh but it, the, yeah, he gave him trouble in three or four of those one-on-one battles, but Darnell Wright won a couple as well. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN said during ESPN's coverage that he's worked his way into a first-round pick. He said he doesn't have any flaws. Wow. Put the Alabama tape, and he was dominant. Um, veteran starter, and he says smooth mover, long arms, great fundamentals, and uh, he says he's got prototypical size and, and skill set to be a front-line offensive tackle. Daniel Jeremiah says that he, along with the other guys on his O-line, he thinks they're going to be 
rookie starters in in the NFL on the offensive line. So uh, he had a great week at practice and in in a good game overall as well. Byron Young was a little bit more up and down. I thought at times in some of the practices, and especially during a game, he, he wasn't getting off blocks necessarily, but then he made a couple of nice plays. Malik Cunningham's interception pressure in his face on a bull rush. Another time he read the play and got out to a receiver out in the flat. So he had some good moments too, and he's going to be a guy that's going to test really well in the process. So it's still time for him. And then even Hendon Hooker made an impression. Guys on the broadcast were talking about how engaged he was. He was right there with the quarterbacks, even though he couldn't throw or participate. He measured well with the biggest hands among the quarterback. Uh, nice length at six three plus, and uh, a lot of his measurables were good. And then every player this is important because I've seen this, and it drives me nuts. Well, this the, this player met with this team, or this player was the first to talk to this team. Stop that! It's nonsense. Every player talked to every team. Yep. That's, that's not news. So that's just them trying to bait you into clicks. That's all that is. Um, so every player met with every team, and that is a great thing for Hendon Hooker because he impresses the heck out of you when you meet with him. Um, he says he's, ahead, he's doing well in his recovery. Uh, he should be able to run by the end of March. And then thinks he'll be ready for training camp. There's others that I think are are expecting him to take more time in his rehab, but still very meaningful, I think, for him to at least be there and not be on his couch, as some of the analysts said it would have been easy for him to do. Yeah, you know, and to your point, Vince, there were there were pictures of uh, Mike Vrabel and Trey Smith all over the place Senior Bowl weekend, and uh, yeah, that didn't go that way at all. It doesn't mean anything. I thought those guys are down there like that and meeting with everybody. Want to ask you about right. uh, a couple of guys who were at Oklahoma. Um, there, I know there. Were, I saw an offensive line, but then notably, I saw Eric Gray as well uh, being very active in the football game. A couple of guys uh, who are now at Oklahoma. Of course, from Revolves. Yeah, and Wanya Morris, who started on the offensive line for Tennessee. Thank you, Wanya Morris. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, Eric Gray. So both of those former Tennessee teammates went to Oklahoma. Now you saw more from uh, from Eric Gray mm-hmm. at Oklahoma than than Wanya Morris, but both were there at the Senior Bowl, and Wanya Morris actually had a Tennessee logo on the back of his helmet. He's yeah. wearing an Oklahoma helmet with a Tennessee logo. And here's another thing people don't understand, even though I noted it in my tweet with the photo. It, the, the Senior Bowl really doesn't do a lot of the logo swap. You see that in the East-West Shrine game. You see that in Collegian Bowl. Some of the others, they, everybody's wearing everybody's logo. So that doesn't mean anything. But they don't really do that at the Senior Bowl, and I, uh, which I like because you want to be able to identify players. Yeah. And so he must have gotten special permission to be able to do that. I didn't see it on Eric Gray, but you did see it on Wanny Moore. So that was a little nod to him giving some love to, to Tennessee, his former school. And then, of course, you got a ton of reaction. Tennessee fans and Oklahoma fans ended up going back and forth on who's better, who sucks, and, you know, we don't care about former – some. Some were saying we don't care about former players. I'm sure some people listening that are Tennessee fans would be like, if somebody leaves, I don't care about them. And there's others that are like, hey, he was still here, and he's doing something nice back to Tennessee. Why are you going to be mad at that? And if you're, think, if you're mad at a kid that transferred to another school, 
then what's your stance on kids transferring to your school? The stance is, as long as he's wearing my colors, I'm for him. (laughs) When he's not wearing my colors, I hate him. They're quitters. Right. They're quitters when they leave. (laughs) But they're not quitters when they leave another school and come to you. Heroes. Come on. Is what we call them. Heroes, Vince. Come on now. You know how this goes. (laughs) So, Vince, ultimately, long term, serious question. This is Senior Bowl really matter how many of these guys changed their bank account as a result of this past weekend it's not the be all end all but because it's the last chance for them to play and do football before the underwear olympics begins up until the draft Mm -hmm. i think it matters you get those one-on-one drills you think those don't mean anything to those coaches that are there to all the scouts and the GMs and everybody that's there watching that, that makes an impression because you also have a chance to go good on good in, in some where you're looking at tape and you're like wondering about for some guys' level of competition. Now maybe some of these guys from group of five conferences maybe get to go up against a Darnell Wright or Tyler Steen from Alabama or you know different guys from big schools or whatever. You get to see those matchups. Those mean something. Now, they're not the be-all, end-all, but those have value. The practices, I'd say, even more than the game, mm. even though that's noted also. I'll say one last thing. The Kansas City Chiefs, we know how well they've drafted. The Kansas City Chiefs have eight players among those four starters from the last two senior bowls on their team this year. Mm-hmm. So tell me that doesn't have value. They're in the Super Bowl again and they've drafted great every year last wednesday was national signing day we pulled vince's clip from what he said last wednesday on the sports animal about the big day ut and josh heupel had here's what vince our own vince ferrara had to say (laughs) thank you vince good stuff that was (laughs) i've never been better that was thank you for taking my best moment that was good breaking down every single player that they signed on Wednesday. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> Stellar, <laughs> which is zero. And that's, that's my review of nothing. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing. But what the end result was, other schools did add a few players, and there were some highly rated guys that a few schools added. The way it shook out, Tennessee finished, I think it was 24-7, it was the highest they finished, ninth in the team rankings. The ESPN had them the lowest at 16, and then a couple of others had them somewhere around 12. Still pretty good. Um, and, and I think uh, the Tennessee hit a lot of their needs. The, it was a big number that they brought in. And then, uh, obviously, the transfer portal, you have to add that to the equation as well. Some schools did more in the transfer portal than others. So uh, I, I think they did a lot of their work in advance. But don't give up on that day, Darren. I know we've had this conversation before. Don't give up on that day. Might might be coming back to that being a holiday type of event where that's the only one and, and it's a, a big deal again. We'll see. What comes first, Oklahoma and Texas or National Signing Day becoming a big deal again in February, first Wednesday of February? Ooh, Which one gets an, here first? It's an excellent question. 
because it sounds like uh, Oklahoma and Texas are are going to be pushed back, I'll say the signing day oh, gets pushed okay. back. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you think the signing day beats it? Beats them? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I don't. I look. Greg Sankey's talking about it, and they're up to something. Okay. That's how it works. Exactly. Vinny, appreciate yep. it as and, always. Have a great week, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, oh, wait right. a minute. Let's you get your – wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, we won't talk on, to you before on, the Super Bowl. So what's your prediction? You know what? When you guys asked me about the AFC the, – the, the conference championship games, I said it was a Monday, and I said Cincinnati and San Francisco on the air with you guys – as the week went on and I thought about it more, I did end up changing it in my official blog predictions to Kansas City and Philadelphia. Wow. So right now, <laughs> I, and, and I've, I've felt this way for a week, so I don't think I'm going to change. I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Uh, I think they're healthier. I don't think they have as many issues to overcome at times or inconsistencies. The pass rush, I think, can make it more uncomfortable on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I don't know how how much healthier he's going to be able to get just in this two weeks. Um, even though, man, he his track record against really good defenses is fantastic, and they're experienced. Uh, the the Super Bowl head coaching experience, I don't I don't know that that's a massive deal. Uh, so Philadelphia's been the best team all year, and they're healthy. So I'll, I'll go with the with the Eagles right now. Okay, I'll put that in pencil for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Vince. Thanks, Vince. All right, guys. Have a great week. Appreciate you. Vince Ferrara, 99-1, the sports animal in Knoxville.